0: Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just 5 dollars Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price of participation vary. Terms apply.
1: When I first saw the towers and the Guanacos and the first Puma I've met, and every single thing you see there it stays with you forever. And that's true because it's very unique. And it's not only about the beauty of the, of the scenery, but it's about the energy.
2: Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, welcome back to Jump Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. We've got some feel-good and inspiring stuff for you today. Uh, You just heard in that little clip, the voice of Timothy Delen, whom we are going to meet shortly. He is a super accomplished filmmaker and photographer, originally from France, who lives in Torres del Paine National Park in Chile and Patagonia, which is one of the places where I lead my group trips each year, one of my favorite places in the world, and he lives there. <laughs> I can only imagine what that must be like. And uh, he's here to tell us more about that and how he ended up there and what he does there and how you might just get to meet him. Uh, Also, I want to make sure you are all aware in case you haven't caught this memo yet, or maybe this is your first time listening. I organize and lead trips for you. And like I just mentioned, Patagonia is one of my hotspots where I lead trips every year. And you are about to hear a lot about one of the specific areas. And on that note, this year, 2021, we have two trips planned and we still have space on both. One is within Torres del Paine National Park, which you're going to hear about. We're doing the entire Paine circuit. Usually we just do the W trek, which in itself is amazing. But this includes the W circuit as well as the rest of the trail, which I've never done before. And I'm so excited to be doing it with you guys for the first time this november. So if you get inspired by listening to this episode or if you just always wanted to go to Patagonia, trust me when I say I'm your girl. <laughs> My trips are truly the best and you can find them at, of course there's no bias there none whatsoever. Uh you can find them at jumpadventures.com or on the podcast page or in the show notes or at travelingjackie.com or at travelingjackie on Instagram or just about anywhere that you can find me on the internet what, on the interwebs. <laughs> Check those out. Those trips are always full of super rad people because guess what? It's you and others like you who listen to this show and want to make travel happen and say yes to adventure. I cannot wait to get back to Patagonia this year. It is going to be so special. And you're also about to hear in this chat we're about to have that there's a birthday celebration planned because yeah, it's my birthday while we're down there. So we're celebrating Chilean style with an asado. And I I just can't wait. Timothy might actually join us for that asado as well. So it's going to be good times. And again, if you want in on those times, <laughs> jumpadventures.com or travelingjackie.com slash trips. Just anywhere. It's everywhere and it's waiting for you. And make sure you subscribe for email updates because I do send out updates about those trips and launches and everything that's going on in the Jump Adventures world. So make sure you're on that list. Uh, Stay tuned for after the conversation that we're about to have, because I'm going to give you also, as well as this rad conversation, I'm going to give you three things that you must pack with you for Patagonia. These are hard learned tips from experience. And I'm also going to give you three book recommendations if you want to continue your deep dive into this beautiful place. Um, So again, that's going to be at the end of the episode. We're stoked to be partnering with Gooder for this episode. If you are an active adventurer and haven't heard of Gooder Sunglasses yet, listen up because these might just become your new faves. They are fun, fashionable, functional, and affordable 30-day free returns and backed by a one-year warranty. They're also 1% for the planet, 100% carbon neutral. All of that means they're paying attention to the good stuff as well as producing the good stuff. Let's hear from our buddy Casey about why he loves Gooder.
1: My name is Casey Germain. I own the Bozeman Running Company in downtown Bozeman.
2: Why do you sell Gooder there?
1: Gooder is an awesome sunglass. They are affordable, stylish, uh, and polarized lenses, all for 25 bucks. And they've got cool, fun fancy patterns.
2: And why do you choose to run in Gooders?
1: I want something that I can run in, but also post-run if I want to go out to dinner or go grab a drink. It's something I can just wear all around, not just running.
2: Thank you, Casey, for that. And hey, if you're signed up for Croatia this October with me, I seriously encourage you to get a pair of these non-slip sunnies. You'll appreciate them while you're on your bike later. And bonus for you guys, use code JUMP15 at gooder.com. It's G-O-O-D-R.com. Jump 15 to save 15% on your entire order. And I will give a shout-out to the fun VRG style that I've been sporting lately. I swear they make me faster. <laughs> okay, jump15 at gooder.com to get a pair and join in on the fun and the fashion. Let's also shout out Obo's Footwear for supporting us for this episode. I've been getting some questions about which shoes I'm gonna bring to Croatia for my bike rides and Honestly, I'm bringing my Oboes Boseman's. They have a leather upper, so the toes are super protected from wind and rain and you know the occasional pedal kick and stones. Uh, and they are flat-bottomed with great tread, which I find works super well for bike pedals. They are very, very comfortable, and they can be worn just for walking shoes as well, which we all know is super important to have in those European cities. So again, if you're signed up for biking in Croatia with me or just looking for a great multi-purpose adventure shoe or walking shoe that still looks good in photos, uh, I'm going to recommend the Bozeman Style obos. Check them out at obosfootwear.com. That's O-B-O-Z footwear.com. And while you're on the website, check out the Oboes Trail Experience. If you love to walk, hike, or run on trails, the Oboes Trail Experience might just be for you and it might also just be in your neighborhood. Sign up is easy. You can learn more about all of that and pick out your own shoes at oboesfootwear.com. All right, let's go ahead and get Timothy on the line and dream of southern stars and mountain spires and glaciers and lakes and condors. Here we go. Now? Yes. 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 (laughs) Yeah. What's What's up? Yes, I know. You're in a car.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. It's like the best. Place I found right now. I'm like <laughs> kind okay. of traveling. Yeah. But, uh, at least I've got a cozy seat so we can talk.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Great. Well, como estás?
1: I'm fine. Todo bien. Estoy en el norte de Chile. I mean, northern Chile. It's been uh, 10 months now and uh, almost a year since, like, you know, the pandemic began in Patagonia yeah. and uh, no tourism. So I've mm-hmm. left for a while with the family.
2: Oh, okay. Wait. So, okay. Let's let's uh let's just before we get into all the cool Chilean stuff, let's talk about you first because I have so many questions for you. But I I feel like before we find out what you're doing with your family here, I want to know like the background because I want to set the stage for everybody listening that um we're we're gonna talk about Patagonia today, but. Let's first talk about who you are and like where you came from and what your story is. So what are you even doing in Chile? How about that?
1: <laughs> I tried to make it short, but it can't it can take hours. But yeah, it's <laughs> coming up. It's been uh, seven years now since I reached uh, Chile in 2014. And uh, it started with a love story. I got to know a Chilean girl in, in France. We were studying together. Uh, and now she's my wife we married and we have a small daughter and she's 1 year old now so she was born in in the pandemic but mm-hmm. uh, long before that uh, i was uh, tra- I, i've had the, the opportunity to, to travel and, and work abroad in sustainable tourism and uh, i've always been mixing that with my passion which is uh, filmmaking and photography because i'm a, as a profession and passion i'm also a, a, photo- and a nature photographer and uh, also a filmmaker. So when I when I I traveled to Chile, I knew I wanted to live in a wild place, so hopefully in a national park, doing what I love, which is creating content. And uh, after a few months, we both both of us ended up walking in Patagonia in Torres del Paine National Park uh, for a eco lodge called Eco Camp Patagonia, mm-hmm. which is located in the very heart of Torres del Paine with a view of of the mountains, like the granite. That you know, famous yeah. worldwide, and uh, uh, it's the best school for photography. So I'm making the content for for the lodge, and uh, yeah, that's it. I'm basically a resident filmmaker, photographer in Patagonia.
2: I love, I love it. And you, so where she she's actually Chilean, your wife? Is she? Yes. Where's she from? She's from from,
1: Chile, from northern Chile, from Coquimbo.
2: Ah, okay. It's all coming together. So. She was studying in France, and that's where you met. And then you ended up moving with her back to Chile.
1: Yes, uh, she was doing an exchange, and uh, <laughs> she was two, two, meter, two meters away from me every day. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at her, but uh, <laughs> because I, I wanted to be kind of free in that time, I, I didn't want any relationship. But yeah, she got me. I, I fell in love after a few months, and I broke my. Flight ticket to, to Chile, and that's where we ended up building our life together.
2: Wow, amazing! So that's okay. That majorly helps out with wanting to move abroad. I mean, if you have if you have a a significant other who is there, that's often the story of of people who become expats or whatever. Um, but congratulations! That's super exciting, and congratulations on your new baby girl. That's amazing. Thank What's you. her name? Naomi. Naomi, oh, yeah. so are you gonna raise her speaking three languages?
1: Yeah, well, for now we are we are trying with. Well, I'm, I only speak French with her, and and okay. Lisa, my wife, she speaks uh, uh, only Spanish, and uh, yeah. she listens to the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and all these cool <laughs> right. uh, English speaking music. So we hope she's got three languages.
2: She'll get it. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> so amazing. Good for you for you guys. Um Thanks. so I kind of want to go to back to the the beginnings ish of your story in Patagonia because I want to know, I mean you know, you know that I the reason we're having this conversation today is because we share a deep love for this national park that you now get to call home, which is amazing. And it is in, in Torres del Paine, that's where I take um, my group trips when I when I travel to Patagonia, we 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 do some hiking in there and in fact, we talked about hopefully meeting up while I'm there later this year with one of my group trips. Um, if you're around and if everything goes, which all the fingers crossed that everything's going to be just fine. But I, I'm uh, optimistic about it.
1: Birthday party, birthday celebration going on. So yeah, uh, yep. I hope the party will open.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I cannot wait for that personally. <laughs> um, yeah. So going back to when you guys first decided to move down there I, what i want to know is what about patagonia captured you like what was your first impression down there what happened
1: yeah, yeah it's a good question and i think there is a lot of uh, mysticism involved when you, when people talk about patagonia it's uh, one of the most remote and last wild places on earth and uh, but it's true like when i first saw the towers and the guanacos and the first puma I've met, and every single thing you see there stays with you forever. And that's true because it's very unique. And it's not only about the beauty of the, of the scenery, but it's about the energy. That's why I, I always say there is mysticism. Like it's a, a natural place with so much personality. And it's very easy to fall in love with Patagonia. And you know that, I'm sure, because you came, you traveled to Patagonia quite a few times now, and very few places on earth have that power to make travelers fall in love with it like uh, if you go there once you want to go back and it's what <laughs> happened to me is and it wasn't just about uh, uh, the fact that I wanted to go back it's like I wanted to have my roots in Patagonia and live mm. there because uh, I feel there is so much potential not only for uh, uh, content creation and it's not only heaven for photographer but uh it's just my kind of place. I love white places and Patagonia is, is like the best white place I can imagine.
2: I I yeah I love... I'm just sitting over here smiling and nodding and just agreeing with you like a thousand percent. And thinking back to my first time going there and how it was like magnetic. You know, it's like there's something right. unspoken that's so loud at the same time, you know, that's just like draws you in. And, and that's how I felt at least to... To the effect that it's interesting that you say you wanted to like have your roots there. It's like something that you want to be more about your story, you know, like you want it to become part of your story somehow. And so that's how you sort of established yourself there. And it's exactly the same reason that I keep going back there. Um, I mean, for my part personally, and then I wanna ask you about this, but when i first went there i was kind of open to anything i was in a place where anything could be possible i was starting kind of again starting over in my life and um i had no idea what was waiting for me down there and it kind of just hit me in the very best way cuz it just filled me up where i had felt so empty you know and it just kind of gave me this hope in this in this strange place in my life and i do feel that part of me was reborn there almost. And this is and I always say that I feel like a migratory bird because I end up coming back. I just end up coming back. Like every, you know, just a touch base like with this new home ish that I've created that I carry inside me, but it's still there. You know, it's those mountains mm-hmm. that are just magnetic for me and specifically Torres del Pine National Park. And so I I can really relate to you on that. But what I love is that you actually made it your home. And so how is it actually living there?
1: Well it's been uh, like the first 5 years I I had no permanent residence so I was uh we the both of us my wife as well she we were uh, uh living and working most of the time in Torres del Paine mm-hmm. so we we would barely see any city or civil civilization because yeah. we would spend just uh, maybe 7 days a month in the nearby city which is Puerto Natales 2 hours away and it's the nearest city, but it's a small city. It's, it's 20,000 inhabitants. It's, it's been growing up It it's still kind of a village mood. It, it It's very uh, different from other cities. And, uh, uh, you know, we were used to seeing that, uh, uh, nature surrounding us. And when you talk about Patagonia, it's always, it always has to do with, uh, step, stepping out your comfort zone in a way. It's a very windy place. The weather changes. All the time, but like to live inside this national park, it's uh, to face the elements uh, twenty-four hours a day, mm-hmm. uh, and especially living in a dome because we we eco camp is a geodesic dome hotel, so we would spend uh, night and day living in domes uh, and walking in domes where you where like the domes shake with the wind and you hear the the, the re- it's like being in a tent basically, but all day long and all night long and and so you i i felt really connected uh with that wilderness mm. and uh now after 5 years we decided to buy a terrain and and to build a small house in Puerto Natales but it's still countryside life and uh we still we all always have this majestic landscape surrounding us and uh, it is in very few places on earth i think you can live in such a pristine landscape which is
2: amazing mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so this—you're just gearing up then to bring your daughter back there, yeah, for the next month, first time, really, right? Well, to she live? was
1: born there, but I don't think she remembers because yeah, okay. she was not when yeah. we left.
2: Yeah. Okay, wow, that's really exciting. I'm really hoping that that means that you're gearing up for the season, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about what could happen if there is yeah. no season. I, I mean, not for me. I I. I mean, for everyone who depends, Mm -hmm. like all the families, Mm -hmm. hundreds of families who live rely on tourism. Mm -hmm. And uh, it should be, it should be, fingers crossed, on September, September 11th should be the reactivation in the region.
2: Yeah, I truly hope so. Um, I'm also, when you just talked about living in the uh, dome as if it's like a tent, I mean, because it is, um, I got really excited because the wind down there in Patagonia is so incredibly like <laughs> it, it's like its own thing, right? I mean, you can talk about wind. And then there's wind in Patagonia. And I remember one of the first times that we were down there on one of the trips, our guide, Rafa. Said, "This is you get the this is the wind of the world because if you look at a map, I mean, there's no land in between. <laughs> it's just all the wind around the entire world, and then it smashes right into Patagonia right at the bottom. Um, and so it is its own force, and it's something to be. I feel like just embraced. And um, when you were talking about sleeping in like a tent, it got me excited because one of my trips this year we're doing the full piney circuit." And on the back side of that trek, you have to sleep in tents. There aren't, you know, refugios all only along choice. that.
1: Only tents.
2: Yep. And so we're finally gonna do it. And it's something I actually I haven't done it in Torres del Paine before. I haven't slept in tents there. I've only slept in the accommodations, the refugios and the hotels and stuff. And so I'm really excited to get to, to get to experience that full tent. Wind, Patagonia love. You may
1: not sleep a lot on a windy night. You may not sleep a lot. Like uh, <laughs> it's like having a, a earthquake all the all night long. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. It's wild.
2: Yeah, it's part of the experience. Though it's part of Patagonia. It's it's exactly. it's Yeah, it's one of the things you just kind of embrace down there, and those ultimately end up being the com- some some of the strongest memories too. Are those. Crazy weather moments that we have down there. There was one day on uh, we were actually in El 10 at this point, but we had such strong wind that as I was walking, my right foot would like blow into my left foot and trip me. Like it was crazy, <laughs> like, you can't even walk <laughs> People straight. People are getting blown off the trail. It was, but when you talk about that with my group afterwards, it's like the, one of everyone smiles, like it's one of the funnest memories, even though it was so crazy at the time and we didn't know what was going on and it was felt a little bit maybe unsafe but it's it was fine you know and it's just it's part of the memories it's part of what makes Patagonia so unique I think
1: it's part of the magnetism you were talking about
2: yeah yeah so let's talk about what you do because I want to give you a chance to kind of let's get into um, your 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 work down there um, you guys all need to follow this guy on Instagram, first of all. <laughs> um, you have incredible photography. I love following your Instagram account. Will you spell out your name for everybody so that they can follow you? Because I know that your your Instagram yeah. handle is your full name.
1: Yeah. It's always hard to spell it in, in English, but I'm going to try. Uh, mm. Timothy, uh, you should know it. D-I-N-O-T-H-Y, right? And Dalen, that's a hard part. It's D-H-A... L L E I N E. I think I got it. Yeah,
2: you, yeah, I <laughs> think you got it. We're going to put that in the show notes too. But um, you are, like I said, an incredible photographer, and you do you do filmmaking. And actually, that's how I originally met you. We were, where were we? In Italy, right?
1: In Italy. Yeah. We
2: were in Italy, and you won an award um, in a you won a film contest. For a film that you created, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do and what that film meant to you and and what you're doing yeah, with course. with your work in patagonia
1: yeah, so like the the, the company I work for hippocamp uh, invests a lot in content and so they invest in me uh, mm-hmm. to create kind of uh, short documentaries that give value not only to the company but to to the area like telling stories that uh, happened there and otherwise no one would talk about them uh, so many incredible things happening in the region. Like uh, the award I won specifically in 2018 in Italy uh, was uh, the Adventure in Martian Contest uh, organized by the ATT, ATTA. And uh, yeah, it, it was... Usually I do short videos. So five minutes, uh, sometimes 10, but in that case, it was five minutes. And uh, it was telling the, 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 the story of... Uh, uh, Alvaro Sil- Silberstein who became the first uh, guy to ever hike the W track, the most famous track in Total National Park on a wheelchair. Uh, he's got this car accident when he was uh, a teenager and uh, he cannot use his legs anymore but uh, with the help of his friends they invested in a special hiking wheelchair and they did this five day track uh, in very remote places and difficult to, to access but they did it, and I was there to capture uh, this moment with my camera and, and explain what happened after after that experience with the wheelchair. So other people coming, uh, blind people uh, try, uh, feeling Patagonia because they feel it through the hands or the ears or uh, yeah, it, it's a story of uh, accessibility that was really beautiful to uh, to show to a short movie. And uh, yeah, I ke- I kept filming after that and uh, other videos. That always have to do with the connection with, uh, to, with nature. And that's what I love, like showing that a connection through, uh, filmmaking and, and photography.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll have to share the link to that video. We'll put the link in the show notes because that was an incredibly moving film. I voted for you. I was so glad that you won that. And it was so cool to see you. Like You were right behind me, I guess, in the audience. I didn't even realize it. So when you came back, I'm like, dude, we need to know each other because you live at EcoCamp and I travel there and and there our friendship blossomed in Italy as it does. (laughs) And uh, we've actually yet to cross paths in Patagonia, but I'm really hoping that that'll change this year. It's going to be pretty special to head back there after it's been closed to tourism for over a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah it's going to be... I, I'm sure it kind of needed the rest.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's good for nature. and Well, by the way, before uh, I, I we talk about that, the video is called Adventure is for All. So you can also check it on YouTube. And... uh yeah, it's been uh, on on March eighteenth, twenty twenty. It's when the, the the national park was closed. Mm-hmm. So from one day to another, uh, all everyone had to leave the park, like walkers and travelers, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's been uh, a year and a half with no almost no tourism. So last season, there there were a few people traveling to Torres del Paine, but most of them Chileans mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the borders are closed now since April. And before that, we had a border closure for a few months too. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen now, but uh, at the borders and um, they didn't. The government didn't plan to reopen the borders for a few weeks from now. So, mm-hmm. it's a lot, there is lots of uncertainty involved.
2: Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Well, let's hope. I definitely hope that it it opens for all the reasons. So, I wanted to ask you just kind of changing uh, focus a little bit. If you have um, on the top of your head any favorite either places that are just like happy places for you within the within the national park or specific experiences like something that happened that has just stayed with you. Just to try and share more of a sense of what it's like to be on the ground there and just to take it in.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to, to uh, <laughs> find a good answer because, I, you know, uh, so many years living down there, and uh, I've met so many amazing people, all of them with inspiring stories to tell. But uh, something fantastic is what you're going to do soon the, the Torres Alpine is Secret, like people call it Old Trek. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's the deepest experience you can live with nature. It's uh, especially when you're in, in the southern, uh, sorry, the northern side of the mountain range. And when you see very few people and when you can lose yourself in a snowstorm and uh, yeah, it's like traveling back in time when uh, uh, there were no cities on planet Earth. And it's one of the experiences I recommend to everyone go travel there. And uh, But it's not only Torres del Paine. I mean, there are so many fascinating places uh, from north to south. If you travel to the Iceland region in Chile, mm. you have to do the Caledra Austral, like mm. the most amazing road trip you can do there.
2: Absolutely. Like in the world. Most amazing ever. I don't know. Argue that one.
1: (laughs) Have have you done that? Do you know the Carretera Austral?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did it in 2017-18. took a couple of months. No, one month. A month driving from... uh... Actually, we started in Bariloche, but we went over to Puerto Varas and went all the way down to... The end. Um, I think it was um that little village with the wooden boardwalks. Uh, ah, there.
1: yeah, Tortel, Tortel.
2: Yeah, and we couldn't cross over with the car there, so we had to double back through Cochrane, uh, and go like 500 miles around, and then end up in you know El Chalten, which is like 70 miles as the condor flies <laughs> across the border, but we had to take the long way around and then we ended up you know back in back into arstalpine after that and it was just is the mo- the single most incredible trip of my life that that month on the carretera austral yeah
1: it's it's easy to believe and well when you travel there you always have to consider distances are really long so mm-hmm. yeah. when you say 2 hours it's a it's a short distance for people there it's <laughs> important to consider mm-hmm.
2: So I'm curious what you since since this is what's on my mind the O trek like you said the Pine circuit the entire circuit I've never done it I've never been on the north side of those mountains before I haven't seen glacier gray from up top like that Get me excited what's your favorite thing about doing that trek about that part
1: Well it's especially when you reach these remote campsites and uh, specifically Ferros campsite which is a it's the most remote uh, a campsite accommodation in Torres del Paine. Uh, there is nothing nearby. I mean, uh, no infrastructure. So yeah. uh, it's uh, two two days of hiking to reach that from uh, the, the starting point of the, the Outreak. And uh, you're surrounded with the woods and uh, you cannot be sure to have uh, uh, hot water in the showers. And <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the spirit of adventure. And it's the only place in the park when you have this true spirit of adventure because in other refuges and campsites you have like uh, basically hotel rooms and uh, uh, hot hot showers and wi-fi but in this area of the park there is no wi-fi like even if you want it it's impossible mm-hmm. and so you have to you have to be connected 100% to, to what's surrounding that place and uh, like you've got hanging glaciers, you've got the the Southern Patagonian ice fields which you can view from the John John Gardner Pass and it's the most beautiful viewpoint I think I've seen in the the region. It's spectacular.
2: I'm so looking forward to that. It's happening. It's all going to happen and I'm going to see you there.
1: Yeah, Um, I don't think the borders will be closed up to December. I
2: don't think so. I'm definitely
1: positive you'll be there.
2: Yeah, I think they're going to open for us. I have a good feeling. Okay, um, I don't want to keep you much longer, but I want to ask you one thing. With an audience listening, what do you want people to know about Patagonia?
1: Well, ooh, it's, a, it's a hard one. Um, I think Patagonia has something uh, all of us, especially in these moving times, all of us need. It's uh, uh, the, the power to feel humbled by a place. Like when you come there and go back home, you're transformed, and it's why it's why so many people talk about transformational travel. And uh, I think in that sense, it's the best, may, maybe the the best uh, transformational travel destination, because uh, now it's so raw, and so changing in a way like the light changes all the time, the weather changes all the time, and it's it's impossible not to feel humble, even though you are a traveler that looks for you know a comfortable destination that kind of uh, you know it's kind of uncomfortable but it's so something we need so much uh, human beings to go back to to the roots in a way and that's what uh, Patagonia provides us like it will change you like it changes you forever
2: yes it does I love this I'm really really ready ready to go back Okay. Anything else that you would like to add about what you're doing, or your photography, or anything you're working on that you want to share?
1: Well, you can, of course, like check out the, my pictures. It's been a long time I haven't done some. I haven't created some new content in Patagonia. You know, I told you it's been ten months. But mm-hmm. you can find the pictures on on my Instagram page. And mm-hmm. uh, I would, I should be back by September. We hope to have a new season. And it's when uh, I will keep uh, creating some uh, short movies. And uh, you can see, you can uh, type Pico Camp Patagonia on YouTube and you will see the videos. And most of them are mine, obviously. And I I recommend uh, some of them. For example, you can watch a short film called A Path, which I shot with uh, an actor from uh, the TV show Vikings. And I totally recommend that, especially for you, Jackie, because you're (laughs) traveling that soon. And it sums it up what you feel when you hike to Patagonia. Like what it means for me at least. And I saw yeah, a
2: picture it. from... It was Half Dan from Vikings, right? It's... uh Yeah. Yeah, the brother of... Yeah. I saw a picture of you with him. What was that film called?
1: Uh, the, the short film is A Path.
2: Okay. I'll have to share that one as well. Thank you for that. Well... I'm really looking forward to seeing you in person later this year. We're going to make it happen. Come to my birthday party with all the people at the... <laughs> we're going to have an asado at the Hotel Las Torres when we're there. But yeah, I really, really hope all that works out and that you can, you can make a cameo appearance down there and meet some of these people who are listening to you right now. It'll be super fun.
1: And you, you should do a cameo appearance at, at Tico Camp as well. Yeah. Fingers crossed the 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 hotel can can open
2: absolutely yep fingers crossed <laughs> all right well timothy um thank you so much for your time today and and good luck with the big move coming up and i really hope that everything just goes smoothly for you and i really hope that we'll be seeing each other soon
1: yeah me too and uh well i think crossed it improves not only for patagonia but worldwide like people absolutely travel freely again
2: yeah and being healthy mhm Definitely.
1: And all next right. time, I hope we'll have uh, the, the call in better conditions from Patagonia.
2: <laughs> yeah, where the Wi Fi is really excellent, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very excellent for like 10 minutes. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right, Timothy. We'll talk to you soon, one way or another. All right.
1: Yeah. That's what we all wish.
2: Yes. Great. Yeah, Jackie. Thank you. Ciao. You okay. Ciao. Okay. Thank you again, to Timothy, for taking us. South today, and for inspiring us with your stories. I have included the links to the two videos we talked about in the show notes. They're only a few minutes each and are seriously so good. I urge you to take the time to watch them because who doesn't need some feel good in their lives these days? And also, it's so hard sometimes to imagine things on a podcast, you know, and once you hit go on those videos, you really can take yourself there. And it is just, it's so different to be able to see it. So, Definitely encourage you to check those out. Make sure to give Timothy a follow at Timothy Delen on Instagram. And again, the spelling, the links, all of that is in the show notes for you, as well as where to book Patagonia if you want to join us down south this year. Okay. I said I'd give you three packing tips and three book recommendations. So here we go. We're going to start with the packing tips. Three things you need to bring with you to Patagonia. Number one, waterproof everything. (laughs) Okay, guys, this is coming from the girl who always thought I could get by without waterproofing. But too many times in Patagonia, I have been proven flat out wrong. My goodness. If there is one thing I can encourage you to do, it is to get waterproof, like the kind of waterproof that actually works, Everything jacket, pants, shoes, gaiters, if you need them. Also, um, a fun thing. I have waterproof mitten shells that I got at REI that can go over any light pair of gloves that I might be wearing. and I love these things. I very much recommend them. Um, they're REI brand, I think even, and I I wear them biking too because they just keep my hands warm and dry against any kind of weather. So waterproof, everything, including your shoes, which brings us to number two. Hiking boots. Again, this comes from the girl who swears by trail running shoes no matter what. Well, Patagonia is a different animal. (laughs) Uh, Three things that hiking boots offer that trail running shoes normally don't, in case you need an argument for this, are stability, even for the ankles, waterproofing, and super tough soles. Usually trail shoes have a, a lot of flex to them and they're just not as stable as hikers. So when you're hiking a ton, which hopefully you will be doing in Patagonia, you really, really need dependable shoes that can get you through anything. So if you're planning a trip there, find your shoes early, break them in, get comfortable in them, get the right insoles if you need them, figure out what happens to them when they get wet, how long they take to dry, Um, maybe get some baby powder and dryer sheets to keep them fresh and just make sure that you feel good in them. Shoes are so important, and they truly need to be waterproof. If you end up going with a low ankle shoe or boot, get yourself some gaiters to prevent water from going in at the ankles. Not just because of rain, maybe because of some stream crossings. Uh, There are only a couple months out of the entire year, maybe around February, that there's a slight chance that during your trip, for a few days, you might not see rain in Patagonia. But even then, they always say four seasons in one day because you cannot count on decent weather there ever. (laughs) So it's better to be prepared for the worst weather. And then you can delight in the sunshine if you get it. Third, a mobile battery charger. So I use the Anker brand, which is A-N-K-E-R. I swear by it. That's a, that's my favorite one. But as long as you have something that lasts for days, like multiple charges that you can charge your phone with, um, not because you'll be using it for data. There is not much cell service in Patagonia, but because you will fill up your phone with photos and videos, and you will want to keep that charge up and you probably won't have much access to electricity if you're in the backcountry. So a phone charger battery bank. Um, and again, I use Anchor. Uh, you can find all of these things that I use at travelingjackie.com slash pack. I keep an updated list of my favorite items there, but this is a go-to always for me. I use it on the daily, even when I'm not traveling. So you should definitely have one. But for sure in Patagonia, you want to be able to charge your own batteries and cameras and whatever it is that you have. So make sure you're prepared for that. And I'm going to give you guys a bonus here at number four is a reusable water bottle, which you should always have with you when you travel, but specifically just a water bottle. You won't need a filtration system because there are many places in Patagonia where you can just fill your bottle straight from the source, straight from a waterfall or a stream without worry of contamination. It is some of the purest water in the world. So make sure you have that reusable water bottle with you. All right, let's move on to the book recommendations. These are all incredibly different by the way, but there's something here for everybody. So the first one is called In Patagonia by Bruce Chatwin. This is a classic. You may have heard of it. Um, it's a super interesting meandering chronicle of the author's travels through Patagonia back in the seventies. It's easy to read in pieces, um, cause the chapters tend to be very short. I mean, they, they vary in length, but they're kind of just little, it's almost like journal entries. He's just kind of recording what he's seeing and what he's doing and who he's coming into contact with. It provides a really raw account of the land and the people and the history through the eyes of the author so if you want kind of a broad um, perspective on the region then I would recommend in Patagonia by Bruce Chatwin um, the second one is called Enduring Patagonia by Gregory Crouch Wow I loved this book. Um, it is about climbing Gregory Crouch is a climber and so especially if you're into climbing you will love this book but even if you're not like, I'm not a climber. Um, I found it so fascinating because he has a real, real gift for capturing what it really feels like down there. I mean, you just heard me talk about waterproofing and the weather. Pick up this book and it will give you the tiniest glimpse into why all of that matters. Um, He does such a good job at describing the landscape and what he's feeling and what he's experiencing. And it's, it's really, truly amazing. So, um, highly recommend Enduring Patagonia by Gregory Crouch. Um, a lot of that does take place in Argentina on the Argentina side, but there's plenty on the Chilean side as well. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's, it's an adrenaline read. It's a fun read. Um, and then the third one is called Maya's Notebook by Isabel Allende. And, um, she is actually a Chilean author. So this is kind of exciting. This is translated into English. I do recommend the paperback version or the, the solid, whatever, the, the book version of this one, rather than the Audible version. You guys know I love Audible, but for this particular one, um, I wasn't too jazzed on the voice on Audible. And so I definitely recommend that you get pick up the paper book for this one. But Maya's Notebook is interesting because it is kind of one of those split stories where it, it, it follows um, two different timelines of of the same character. And on one of the stories, she's in the United States. And the other story, she's actually on the island of Chiloé, which is in northern Chile in Patagonia. It's actually an archipelago. And if any of you watched my Osprey video that I that I did with Osprey, or if you heard a few episodes back, we did an episode about Chiloé and our story about going down to film there. The reason I read this book was to um, get a deeper feel for the culture down there, even though I had already been to Chiloé, like this book does such a good job at describing what type of community and what type of person actually lives there and the hardship of it. And yet it's in modern time. And so it's also a fascinating read. So that one's called Maya's Notebook by Isabel Allende. Um, have fun with those. And if you do pick one of those up, let me know what you think about them. I'd love to hear from you. So yeah, happy reading. Um, I hope you guys have felt inspired to travel to Patagonia or at least to learn more about it. It is a beautiful, fascinating place. Yeah. I hope you consider traveling with me there. <laughs> I won't say it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> anyway, yeah, spots are still open as of now and... Uh, One question I often get is, will you be doing this again next year? To which I would love to say, yes, of course. But dudes, after 2020, (laughs) nobody can actually foresee what might happen, right? So now is the time people make it happen. Let me help you. (laughs) All right. Thank you again for being here today. I hope you had fun. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I will see you guys soon.